0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, uh, we're going to have it on the screen above you. But last Sunday, we kicked off our series called The Voice of Truth, or, or called Voices, with talking about the voice of truth. And one of the things that we said, and I said there were two, really two main points that we wanted to do. Number one is we need to stop listening to the father of lies, which is Satan, right? That we have all kinds of things that are speaking into our life there are things like music and media and different things like that there are friends and family and co-workers there's there's the news there's social media there's all kinds of things that we listen to that begin to lead us into areas that we know we shouldn't be in and so we said that we got to drown out that noise of, of what's going on. So we wanted to stop listening to the father of lies. And then as a result, we want to listen and follow the voice of truth. And so we looked at what it means to follow and listen to God's word, what it means to follow and listen to the Holy Spirit, what it means to listen to Jesus as he leads us. And, and that is the way we're, we're building everything on this, right? I said this from the get-go, and we'll always stand on this. If we don't build our lives upon the foundation of God's word and place ourselves under the authority of God's word, then what I'm telling you right now is you will not walk in the successful life or the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10. It's never going to happen. I don't care who you are. I don't care what people say. Well, the Bible's 2,000 years old. It's just got to get with modern culture. Hogwash, right? Not going to listen to it right? And so if you're a person who struggles with this idea of listening or placing yourself under the authority of God's word, what I want to encourage you first of all today is this. It's okay to struggle with it, right? It's okay to begin to doubt and worry, but then you got to begin to look at and say, I've got to look at what the voice of truth is speaking into my life. So Romans chapter eight, and I want to ask you these three questions. Number one, have you ever done something you wish you wouldn't have done? Right? Like, <laughs> nope. Never done it. I'm perfect. What are you talking about? Right? No. Have you ever done something you wish you wouldn't have done? Right? And maybe in your mind, something pops into mind. It, you, you, you just all of a sudden is like, oh man, I, I know exactly what it is. Right? Like, I got, I got hundreds of them that could pop up into my mind that I have done in the past. There are things that I've done that I wish I never would have done. Right? Number two, this question I want you to ask. Do you get frustrated with like ongoing defeats of sin in your life? In other words, do you find yourselves easily walking into sin and then later regretting it and going, I'm not understanding why I am struggling with overcoming this sin? Right? So number one, do you ever regret something you did? Number two, do you get the picture, the struggle of dealing with sin and going, I'm just so frustrated with dealing with this. And number three, then I wanna ask this question. How do I achieve victory over sin in my life? How can I achieve, or how do we, how as believers do we achieve victory over sin? And I believe that Paul gives us that answer from Romans chapter 8. So we're going to jump into Romans chapter 8. We're going to read that section, but I want to remind you about this. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 said this, and we started this off last week, right? There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction or death. And there is a way those all of those voices that are speaking into our lives that seem right to men, men say things that, that, that we should do and things that are acceptable and a way you can act and what you can believe and what you are, are going to think and feel and, and respond to, right? We live in a world that, that violence has gotten out of control, right? That impatience has gotten out of control. We live in a world where everybody has to be quick to respond, especially on social media, Like, I'm going to put that dude in his place. Watch this. And you're losing. Because we think that social media is the very thing that's going to change somebody's line. But listen, Proverbs 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death or to destruction. And what I want us to understand from that standpoint is all of those voices that are speaking into our lives are those things that if we don't drown those out with the truth of God's word, then we allow those things to begin to lead us to make decisions or to lead us in directions of thought and belief and action. And our beliefs are usually played out in our actions. So, in chapter eight of Paul, basically of Romans chapter eight, Paul describes this life or the life of individuals without the power of the Holy Spirit and then those who have the Holy Spirit, right? In in Romans chapter seven, I call it the, the, the do-do chapter, and I'm not talking about, it, it's where Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do, but the things I, I, I do, I, I, it's like he's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to get this balance of sin. As a matter of fact, if you follow along with me, Romans chapter 7, I'm just going to read this real quick before we jump into Romans chapter 8. He says in verse 17, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sin nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do, I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So there's this preface of what Paul's saying of, listen, there is a war that's going on in your life. There is a battle that goes on in your life between sin and the Spirit. Now, here's the thing we have to begin to understand, and we're going to jump in we're going to unpack that here in a little bit, but if you are a person who does not have a relationship with Jesus, has never acknowledged that Jesus died on the cross, you don't believe that, you have not acknowledged it, then there is a statement in the Bible that is very clear. That is, you don't have the Spirit. And we're going to unpack that here in just a second and see what that means in my life. Right? So listen to what he says in, he just says, I, I struggle with what's going on. And then in verse 23 of chapter seven, he says, I see another law at work in me or in the members of my body and it's waging war against the law of my mind and it's making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. In other words, what Paul's saying is that when I continue to walk down the road of sin, what I find myself being caught up in is that I continue over and over and over to do what I know I shouldn't be doing in the first place. That's the result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives is that the Holy Spirit begins to convict. He begins to correct. And what he's using is the truth of God's word to do that. He's gonna call you on the carpet because you know the good things you should do, but yet deep down inside, you're not gonna do them. That's just called rebellion. But listen, to what he says. I'm going to start in verse 8. This is what Paul says, Romans, to the, to the church at Rome. He says, therefore, there is now no what? Condemnation. Keep that mind in mind. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, listen, the law of the Spirit of life, that's the Holy Spirit who gives us the abundant life Jesus Offered or promised the law of the spirit of life, set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son, listen, in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. That's what we talked about last week, right? Jesus' death on the cross was the payment of the for the sins of mankind and that was the sin offering that God made by sending his son to die on the cross so that listen we could be bought we could be purchased we could be redeemed by the blood of the lamb and have a life that Jesus offers us so he lays that out he sends his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and listen so he condemned right what does he condemn What? He condemns the sin. Listen to what happens. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. I'm going to pause right there and we're going to unpack this in a very simple way for all of us to kind of understand these first four verses. Listen, the Holy Spirit This is the thing I want you to remember today, if you remember anything else. The Holy Spirit is the source of divine power for sanctification. Now, for some of you, are like, you're, well, huh? Listen, bro, you're talking to a bunch of people who didn't go to college, right? All right, maybe you did, maybe you did, I don't know. But listen, the Holy Spirit is the source of divine power for sanctification and, listen, and the secret for spiritual victory in my daily life. In other words, if I want to have a successful relationship and I want to walk in obedience to the Lord, then I have to understand the power of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in my life. What we see from the beginning of scripture is that God creates through his word, which is the Son, and the spirit was evident right at the beginning because it was hovering over the waters. So we see the Father, Son, and Spirit at the beginning of time. We see in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word. He is the one who spoke all things into existence, that the Spirit was there. But I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the source of divine power for sanctification. Now, the reason why I bring up sanctification, this is a word that most people are going, what are you talking about? But I want you to know that sanctification is a word that we have to understand as believers. Sanctification is the ongoing work of God in my life where he convicts, he calls out, he corrects, and he trains me through the power of his word. In other words, what he does is when I spend my time in the word and I begin to re- see what's going on, then the spirit begins to correct in me or call call me out for things that I know I'm doing that are wrong. That is called Sanctification. If I could use it in a better term, it would kind of be this idea. If you were to take yourself, throw yourself into the washing machine and constantly be washed, it's the idea of God constantly working in your life to clean you, to cleanse you, and to sanctify you. Now, I've got to clarify a couple of things. Number one, we are justified first by Christ. That's his death. He justifies us. But sanctification is, is the secondary thing that takes place where he is continually working in us to change us, to make us to be more like him so that we can understand that what we do and how we live is a reflection of God's glory and it's to communicate the gospel of Jesus to everybody else. So that's the main point. The The Holy Spirit is the source of divine power for sanctification and the secret for spiritual victory. All right? So, Listen to this. I want us to see a couple of things. Number one is this, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's here's the big thing that we have to look at in these first four verses. Jesus is the one who delivers us from sin, so we're justified, what I just talked about. In other words, we're declared righteous, and we stand in his grace and not under his wrath, and as a result, we possess eternal life. That's a person who is justified. But the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit is also to sanctify us. He's called us out. We are to be holy because God is holy. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Is literally what he's saying is, listen, there are some things in your life in the midst of you that's going on that you got to get past. And Paul, listen, Paul describes his struggle with sin, which I believe that all of us could sit back and go, yeah. So when I ask that question, have you ever done something you wish you wouldn't have done? Or maybe you're a a repeat offender to a certain extent, right? There's some sin that you just, you can't get over. And you're like, I'm not understanding why, why I'm not getting any victory over this area of my life. And I believe wholeheartedly that the reality is this. Most of the time we give the voice that speaks the loudest. We give that authority. And so I use this because I don't have a bullhorn. Right? So I got a parking cone. But we listen to everything else, right? It's like social media. We let social media tell us what to believe. Or maybe it's the news, right? The news is going to speak truth, because we all know they tell you the truth. Right? Everything they say. If you believe that, I'm a French model. Bonjour. I look really stupid. (laughs) But I also want us to see this, right? We listen to our friends who aren't believers, who don't follow Jesus. And they tell us, man, you know what? You really got to get with the times because things have changed. And the way you act and what you believe really matters. And that's true. Because the way you act and what you believe does matter. And you either build your life on the authority of God's word or you listen to voices who seem to be speaking the loudest at this point in time. When the reality is, like in the story of Elijah, sometimes it's just the still, small voice of Jesus and the truth of his word that's calling you on the carpet and calling you to correct the sin that you know that you're entangled in. See, Here's the crazy thing about this truth. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but Jesus does condemn sin. That's literally what he lays out, that he condemns the sin. In other words, the reality of that statement is this. We look at condemnation, we're like, don't condemn me, right? But condemnation is is the statement that he puts to death, sin, It's a literally slaying of the sin. So when Jesus dies on the cross and condemns sin, he puts sin to death. But in order to walk in life, then I have to understand that I gotta give Jesus the sin that's in my life so that he can put the sin that's in my life to death. And if I walk in disobedience and I don't give my life to Jesus, then I'm just trapped and ensnared by the chains of sin and I'm gonna continue to do what I don't want to do, or I'm going to continue to do, maybe that I what the things that I want to do. So it says, listen, he lays this out. He did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in sinful man. Right? He condemns the sin, so there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But listen, he condemns the sin in sinful man in order, listen, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met. In us who do not live, listen, according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. We used to say this consistently when I worked as a volunteer youth person like 20 years ago. You starve the flesh and you feed the spirit. But the problem is most of us are really good at starving the spirit and feeding the flesh. And what you feed grows. In other words, when you say, well, I just don't know why I continue to run into the sin, because you feed it. You let your friends talk you into doing things you know you shouldn't be doing. You let your friends talk you into believing things you know that don't line up with the truth of God's word. And let me be very clear on this, church, right? Not just our church, but the church as as a whole. Anytime you start to stray from the truth of God's word, you have done set up for failure and it's over. When you begin as an individual to say, I'm going to stray from God's word and I'm going to do things the way I want to do it, it's over. Because what you've done now is you're saying, listen, I would rather chase sin than live live by the truth of the spirit. So listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Jesus' death condemns sin. He defeats it. It's impossible to obtain freedom and life Through the law, which is what Paul's laying out. But listen, the law was powerless to set us free from sin. That's why Jesus came. And the problem with people today at times in the church is like, well, if I'm just good, I'll be fine. I went to church. Great. I don't mean squat. As a believer in Jesus, I want to be involved in the church. I need to be involved in in the bride, what we call the bride of Christ. In other words, I need to be connected to the body of believers so that I can grow, so I can have strong relationships, so that when I deal with the sin that so easily oftentimes entangles, I can go to somebody and go, man, I need some help. I need somebody who's going to call me out, who's going to hold me up, who's going to hold me accountable. Listen, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The provision, listen, the provision of victory from the power of sin is through the death of Jesus. He is the one who provides the victory over our sin. But listen, experiencing it in our daily lives comes through the controlling power of the Holy Spirit. If I want to walk in the victory that Jesus is talking about, then I have to be controlled by the power of the Spirit. So follow along in, fo- in verses five and following. He says this, Romans chapter eight. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what? what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is what? Death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, listen, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature, listen to what he says, cannot please God. But you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. In you. So here's what I want to do. The last two statements I want to kind of make to, to unpack the, the finality of this text to a certain extent, right? Number two is this. We said, number one, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Number two, there is a battle that is taking place in your life, in my life, in the lives of the church, in the lives of people around the world. There is a battle that takes place every moment of every day. And it's the battle between sin and the spirit. Is the battle between flesh and the spirit. See, with listen to what he says. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what the what? On what? On what that nature desires. Here's the reason why I believe we struggle with sin so often. And it's not, listen, and I, please hear me out when I say this too. It's not that, oh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm blood bought. I've, I've been purchased by Jesus. I'm following the Spirit and I'm never going to sin again. It's not, this is not what we're kind of really talking about. Yes, there is that nature, right? We want to make sure that we're walking in holiness. But listen, this is like willful disobedience and disregard for listening to the Holy Spirit. And there is a battle. And this is where the kicker begins to take place because this is when he begins to separate what we wanna call the sheep from the goats, right? Or the wheat from the chaff. Jesus is bringing out some statements for us to understand what truth is. And he says this, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what that nature desires. The reason we so often give in to sin so easily is because our mind says, that's what I need that's what I want. That's got to be the thing that fulfills me, that brings me value and purpose. That's the very thing that is going to show who I am and and what I stand for and what I believe and and everything else. And listen, when we give into that nature, what we begin to do is we begin to crave those things consistently. So he says... Those who have that or who set their minds on those things, that's the very thing that they're going to do. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So my question when it comes to this idea of sin and asking you this question is, do you desire to have the Spirit actually help you defeat the sin that you're so easily entangled in? Or is it easier to just say, no, I'm just going to hold on? those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the spirit align themselves under God's word. Listen, it's this idea of this. It's a habitual pattern of thinking about and doing things we shouldn't think about or do because we let the sinful nature have the seat of authority in our lives. And when that sinful nature has the seat of authority, it's just like what I talked about there. We allow the sinful nature, right? So we talk about outside voices, But deep down inside, sometimes that sinful nature is the very thing right here that we're letting speak the loudest into us. Go ahead and do it. Everybody else is doing it. You don't believe like that. Nobody wants you to believe like that. When God does want you to believe like that, God wants you to align your lives under the authority of God's word. See, we let outside voices speak falsehood and we let these lies into our lives rather than listening to the voice of truth. So listen to what he says. I want us to see this. There's this battle taking place. And I want to see three things real quick of what happens. The mind of sinful man, listen to what he says. The mind of sinful man, verse six, is what? Death. Death. The mind of sinful man is death. And then he goes on and he says this. He gives us three statements about the sinful mind. Number one, the sinful mind is hostile to God. I want you to get that statement. When I say hostile, if I was to say, we got a hostile out on the front porch. What are you thinking? The minute you hear somebody who is hostile, you have somebody who is out to get you, who is out to destroy you, Somebody who is willing to hurt you at all costs. So listen to what I said. The mind of sinful man, number one, leads to death. Number two, is hostile to God. Do You get what he's trying to do? It's trying to destroy God. It's trying to work against God. The mind of a sinful man is going to work in that direction. And not only does it say, is he hostile to God? Number two, it says it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. In other words, it's going to sit back and go, yeah, I don't believe that. That's great that the Bible says that. I don't believe it. If God's standard is that way, then I'm not gonna align my life with it. Not gonna happen. And there's no way it can. The reason it can is because it's hostile toward God, number one. It's it's caught in death, and it's gonna work against it. So not only is it hostile toward God, not only does it not submit to God's law, but listen, it's also it says this straight out, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So when I am caught consistently walking into disobedience and I allow my mind and the voices both inside and outside my life that are not aligned with the truth of scripture, then what I begin to do is I begin to work as an enemy of God. And I can't please God It's not gonna benefit my life because it's only gonna lead me to death. And the problem is oftentimes we wanna lean toward doing the sin because we think we're gonna experience more of life, right? Like life is just gonna be better. I'm gonna have a lot more joy. I'm gonna have a lot more fun. If you like it, try it. When the truth of the matter is the sinful mind leads us in a direction that we never wanna go or shouldn't wanna go. See, the sinful nature and the indwelling spirit are in constant conflict. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. See, there was this reality that people thought, oh, great, Jesus died on the cross. I get to go and have fun, right? It's, it's the old adage in the Southern Baptist world. I got fire insurance, right? I got the get out of hell free card. But asking Jesus to change my life on a daily basis, no, nah, I don't need that. If that's the case, then I, what I begin to say is this. When you begin to look, if you're caught consistently in a revolving, continual pattern of walking in sin and not having any remorse, no sorrow, no conviction, no willingness to turn it over, and repent and confess of those, then I begin to say, you're not saved. You don't understand the saving nature of Jesus Christ. Now, what I'm talking about is... One of those things where we say, listen, I got my church stuff, right? I'm going to church, but I don't need this whole Jesus thing in my life every day. See, the mind of the spirit-led person is completely different. Because listen to what he says. It says the mind of the spirit person is a mind controlled by the spirit, and it experiences life and peace. You know, one of the biggest struggles going on since COVID has started has been this whole idea of a lack of joy, a lack of peace, looking for fulfillment in other ways, right? Like we've seen mental illness and emotional struggles go up. And and I'm just going to be honest here with that, right? If we understand the sovereignty of God and his care for us, and we know that he's on the throne, that he's not gonna leave us and not gonna forsake us, then this whole life of joy or this life of peace that he's talking about is something that we can experience even in the midst of the darkest times we walk through. So Galatians 5.16 told us about what this, The whole idea of the flesh desires, but listen, the one, the mind of the one led by the Spirit is life and peace. Listen to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The life of of abundance that God talked about, and number three I want us to see is this: that we can walk in the victorious life in the Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter five verse 17 says, "If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, right? Now it doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless, or you're going you're to be sinless, all right? One word, sinless. But it does mean that as I walk in obedience to the Spirit, that I should sin less. And that when I sin, there is conviction and there is guilt. But at the same time, there is confession, which absolves me from the guilt because God is the one who forgives me. And so I can walk in this victorious life in the spirit because that's what he gives. But if sin dwells regularly and there's no remorse, there's no guilt, there's no repentance in your life over sin, then you're enjoying walking freely in sin then what you're doing is you've set yourself up, just as what we said earlier, as hostile toward God. See, the Spirit of God gives the believer a totally different life, one meant to walk in freedom from sin, one that gives you abundant life, one that brings peace and joy, one that gives you an experience that you don't get everywhere else. Right, I think one of the biggest lies the world like, just sells us is this mentality that if you, if you just do all the things that everybody else is doing, you're going to have fun. You're going to succeed. And yet I walk around and I see people who are destroyed, who are unhappy, who have no joy, who are caught in a repetitive cycle of sin and shame. And then they're like, oh, man, yeah, you guys, I don't want anything to do with what you guys are talking about. And I'm like, man, I don't want nothing to do with what you're doing. That don't look fun. A victorious life is a life that walks in obedience to the God's word, that walks in obedience to the spirit, that is spirit-filled, that is spirit-led, that, listen, when we sin, we confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us of any and all unrighteousness. That's the truth of God's word. That's how he plays it out. That's the voice that we have to listen to. And remember, that's the voice that oftentimes gets drowned out by the noise and the chaos of a parking cone that looks like a megaphone. Do you want to experience a victorious life? Listen to what Paul says, and I want to wrap up with this. I'm going to close, actually, with this. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You want to experience life, the victorious life that Jesus talks about? Then we stand on the truth of God's word. That when he convicts us of sin, that we correct that. And listen, some of that is going to be life-altering and life-changing. Romans chapter 6 if you were to flip over one more page, says this, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. But, and, listen, therefore do not let sin reign. Do not let it, uh, to obey its evil desires. Do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. And that whole idea where we talked about this battle That whole idea in that word where it says instruments of wickedness is an idea as a weapon of wickedness. He says, don't offer your bodies as a weapon of wickedness, but rather offer your body as a, listen, instrument or weapon of righteousness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught holding the sword as a weapon of wickedness because I walk in disobedience to what God has called me to do. I'd rather take the fight to the enemy. And please keep in mind when I say this, that the enemy is not, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. We see that in Romans and Ephesians but it's important for us to understand that I'd rather operate as my life as a weapon of righteousness to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you don't have to be trapped in your sin, that you can walk in the free and abundant life that Jesus offers and turn your sin over to him because he condemns our sin and offers us life and life more abundantly. Father, we pray today for your goodness and greatness to be made known. We pray that Jesus would be number one in our lives. And Lord, we know that maybe there are some today who are stuck in the sin and the struggle that they have dealt with and they're fighting and they're battling. Maybe some have held on easily. Maybe others just need to continue the fight, but they need to understand they've got to fight, but they fight with you with you by their side, with the spirit in who does the fighting for them. And so maybe where you're at today, we're serious, we're closing with this. When I'm done praying, you're gonna be dismissed. But maybe where you're at today, here's what we wanna do with the connection card. Here at a brief moment. If you'd say, I need to talk to somebody about nailing this sucker down. I wanna make sure, I want, I want Jesus to be first and foremost in my life. I have let the voices of everybody else and everything else speak into my life, and I'm not listening to the voice of truth. I have not been listening. But today I want to respond. We're going to ask you, number one, to fill out that card, and maybe you'd say, hey, I'm, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus the first time. But don't leave here today just by filling out the card. I want you to talk to somebody. You can talk to me. You can talk to somebody back out at the welcome desk or or something like that. But we want to nail that down. Do not leave here today and not settle this out. But maybe you're a believer who has been trapped by the lie that I continue to do whatever I want and still walk in obedience to Jesus when that's the furthest thing from the truth. Maybe you just need to confess that and turn it over to him so you can experience the abundant life that Jesus talks about. Church, let us not be a church that caters or cowers to the whims of man, but that we would align ourselves under the truth and the authority of God's word, that we would be obedient to Jesus and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, long before we ever cater to the world and what man wants to tell us to believe. Jesus, you are the author and perfecter of our faith, and you hold everything in control. May we align our lives under the authority of your word and allow you to be Lord of all, not some, all. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.